And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, He who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw you, some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Amen. So Lord, please add your blessing to your word. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. So now we're going to break this down a little bit. First, I want to just go over uh, verse 8. And we're familiar with this, but just for those of us who weren't here. In verse 8 it says, And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. First of all, remember that that messenger, that is... uh, it, 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 it says angel, but that word can also be translated from the Greek messenger. So usually what most people think, and I believe it as well, is when he's writing this letter, uh, he's revealing this to the pastor of those churches. So when he says, take this to the messenger or to the angel of the church at Smyrna, it's going to pastor, as, as we discussed also as it relates to Ephesus. So what that means, bottom line, I'm your angel. Wow, are you guys sleeping? Man, I say something like that, nothing at all, not even an amen or Okay. So to the angel of the church, now look at how he identifies himself, he being Jesus. These things say the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. First of all, that's how we know it is him, because he was dead and he came to life. But he is the first and the last. Everything again, back to Colossians, everything was created by him and for him. Amen. If you don't have any problem with that, you, again, you will not have any, any other problems. So now, from 8, I want to jump down to 11. <clears throat> he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Now, remember, brothers and sisters, last week when we did this, he, Jesus says this to every church. But the reason why I want to go ahead and emphasize this again, and if the Lord allows, I'll do it every time, but as specifically, because some of you weren't here, he who has an ear, let him hear. It doesn't mean those who, us, those who have physical ears. Right? Let these who have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So that some people will say that, well, these letters were specifically for those churches at that time. Could you uh, back up one slide and put that, um, the picture up? Thank you. My brothers and sisters, these churches actually existed in the first century. When the Apostle Paul made his missionary journeys, remember, he, put, uh, he, he appointed uh, Timothy as the, church, as the church leader at Ephesus, but he, may, he, he evangelized and that's how those churches were born. That's modern day Turkey right now. In fact, uh, I think it's, it's Smyrna is actually a, still in existence, but not as Smyrna. I think it's, I can't remember, the Isran or, or something like that. But it, they are, that actually exists. So my point being that these letters actually were for those churches at that time. But now, again, I want to remind you that when it says, look at what the Spirit, let he who have ears hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So each letter wasn't specifically for that church alone. Right? 
And so remember, I also, some people believe, I'm going to tell you, some people believe that it's eras, that each church represents a different era during the church age, which we're in, which began in Acts 2, and will end in the, uh, when we get uplifted out of here, in the rapture of the church, the church age ends, ends. And so some people believe that those, each of those seven churches represents an era. I, pr- I promise I won't do this again every week. But I'm just saying to you, my brothers and sisters, what, what does it really mean? It really means that Jesus, he has a message for his churches. You are his church. I am his church. This message is for all of us. It, do, it supersedes time and geography. Okay, come on now. I, 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 I know I got a little emotional at first. I got to get pumped back up. This, listen, this supersedes time, chronology, and geography. This is eternal. His words are eternal. So when he's instructing these churches, he's instructing us. All right, if you come on, let's keep going now. Okay, so now, now I, I had an interesting conversation with a precious saint of the Lord this week about hearing God. I want to when it, so it says, "He who hear, has an ear, let him hear." And and we, I told you what that means. But in John eight, this is what it says. This is Jesus. He who is of God hears God's words. So let he who is of God hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Not everybody, my brothers and sisters, just by virtue of having physical ears and not be hard of hearing, not everybody is going to be able to hear what He is saying to the churches. Oh, then they hear the voice. Then they hear the letter read. Some people right now, either digitally or over the internet or some of you in this room, you may be hearing the words of God, but you're not hearing. You're not. See, also in the Greek, that word hearing also implies understanding. It also implies understanding. You know, I'm diligent enough to hear. Let he who has ears, he who is of God, can hear God's word. My sheep know me, they hear my voice. Isn't that what Jesus said? I had a a great testimony of a saint this week, and I can't wait. I'm going to let him give that testimony about hearing God maybe next week. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But look look at what it says. If you go back to 11, Addy, could you put that back up there for me, please? Thank you. The second death. You know, he who has, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by this second death. What's the second death? I mean, many of us already know what it is. In Revelation, it says it in a couple places in chapter 20, chapter 21, verse 7, it says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, the cowardly, what in the world can that mean? Those of us who are afraid to live and stand up as Christians in in a society where it's getting ever so hard to be that and do that. And as hard as it's getting right now, the the United Nations published, they said that uh, the um, the most prosecuted religion in the world is Christianity. So we're not experiencing what the, our brothers and sisters are experiencing right now in the Middle East and in North Africa, in China, in, in India. We're not experiencing that yet. I'm going to be gone. And I hope you all will be too when it gets really, really bad. But my brothers and sisters, we can't be cowards. And so we look at these people as we can get into this chapter a little bit more or into these, uh, this church a little bit more. You'll see these people how extremely brave and, and, and how courageous they were. So, but let the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, 
Saucers, idolaters, and liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's everybody, the people that are going to stand before the great white throne judgment. It's going to be the, sh- the sheep church and the goat church. And the goat church, those that did not follow Christ, will be tossed into the lake of fire and brimstone to burn for eternity. Now, some people don't believe that. It's there. It's true. It happens. He didn't create that for people. He created for the enemy of your soul and mine and for all those angels that followed Him. We make the choice. We make the choice. But my brothers and sisters, He's giving us, you know, you, he's giving us the power to overcome. He's, he's giving us all the tools that we need to live in this life successfully. And my brothers, it's, it's up to us. We make the choice. I'm going to say this again because I, it's just love is not love unless you have a choice in the matter. God loved us. He chose to love us. He was well within His right and still would have been a just God if He destroyed us. But He's loving, merciful, right? Kind. And He loves us so much that He made a way. And so this is the thing. We see the love of Christ and we respond to it in kind. I have a choice. He didn't make me love Him. He didn't make me His robot. He didn't program my brain to only be looking toward Him. He gave me free will. And so because I love Him, I choose Him. Amen? All right. My brothers and sisters, and when you look at these things, this is what part of our problem is in the modern church. When we look at something like that, cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, sexual immoral sorcerers, idolaters, and all these things, you say, man, oh, that's, I'm, I'm good. I don't do none of that stuff. Really? Really? So now watch. Remember what Jesus said. This is Jesus. If you have an odd against your brother, if you are so hateful, if you have this this emotion of hate towards somebody, you've killed them. So if you get so enraged at somebody and you, man, I want to see the blood pour from their eyes or I want to get revenge, you've killed them. That's not Tony's words. That's Jesus' words. Jesus raised the bar. Amen? So, so, so watch what he said too. Now, for those of us who are married men, if we look upon a, a, a woman and we lust after her, we've already committed adultery. See, Jesus raised the bar. So, so now I see... The, now, here's the other thing. And I, and I know this. I can't tell a little white lie. It doesn't matter what color the lie is. It's still a lie. So now when I tell a little one and just to get out of trouble, or if I tell a little one just because I want to be easy and done with it, uh, and, I'll, and, I, and I'll tell my wife or I tell wives, I'm just going to be honest with you. Again, I know I've said this before, but I want to remind you. Do not ask your husband a question you don't want an honest answer to. All right? Does this dress make me look... Do I look old? I mean, don't put your husband... And I'll, it's a little bit funny, of course, but that's the thing. Even and I, and I use that silly illustration to say how quick we might be to tell a little lie or to tell a falsehood or just you know just not be totally forthright and honest or to embellish and to do these things. It's wrong. No matter how you slice it, it's wrong. So, my brothers and sisters, so now I have to stop comparing myself with the world standards. I have to stop comparing myself with what the culture is doing. I need to compare myself with what this says. Amen? Well, that's impossible. It's not impossible because in Him it's all possible. Amen? We are the righteous of God in Christ. 
That doesn't mean that we get to sin and we're still righteous. That means in Him we have the ability to be righteous. Hallelujah. That's grace. That's grace. Hallelujah. (laughs) So look at what... We're going to go back now to Revelation 2. Look what he says in the first part of verse 9 to this church. I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, but you're rich. Do you see that? He said, Jesus must be making a mistake. He knows they're poverty, but they're rich. I know your works. Remember what he said. He, didn't he say the same thing to the church at Ephesus? Remember, I'm going to remind some of you. In Ephesus, I know your works. This is to Ephesus now, the church before he wrote the letter. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and that you've tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have... Um, uh, let me see. Yeah, you have uh, persevered and have patience. You've labored for my name's sake and you have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. So now when Jesus says to the church of Smyrna, I know your works, tribulation, poverty, you will never hear, as he's commending them, you will never hear this other thing that I have against you. He doesn't say you left your first love. He never comes back and says that. He says, I know your works. I know the trouble and I know your poverty. And he goes on, my brothers and sisters, but he never comes back and says anything negative to them as it relates to their actions. Awesome, awesome thing. That means their works were done pure. Their works were done in love for him, right? Remember, l- listen, you've, I have this against you. You've left your first love. I have this against you. You left... Well, you're doing these things, you're being churchy, you're doing these things thinking that, you know, this is what you'll, this is what you're supposed to do, this is, you know, whatever it is. Now you've become more about the works and less about the worship. You're worshiping the works. Oh, that was good. Somebody should, ma'am, you're worshiping the works. The works now are what's ruling you and not Jesus Christ. Come on. See, and my brothers and sisters, when I see this, this is exactly, when I, when, when the Lord, I'm telling you, when I was, in that room this morning and I'm looking at this just before I was getting ready to print it off and say, I'm going, I got my notes, I'm ready to go. I got a nudge. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Why? Because this whole time that Michelle and I have been you know, just striving and working and we've had so many people help and go in and out and all this stuff, I'm thinking, man, we've got to get this program going, we've got to get that program going, we've got to get the other program going. Is all of that true? Sure. Yeah, Absolutely. But my brothers and sisters, the main thing has still got to be the main thing. What's that? Our love for Christ and sowing love to our neighbors, showing love to those who are around us. And listen, and our young people most importantly, showing them a love that we have for Christ. We love God with everything that we are. Isn't that what it says in the Scripture? Isn't that what we read during the, the, um, uh, you know, during the uh, baby dedication out of... Out of um, Deuteronomy. He says that you'll love God with everything you've got. And isn't that what Jesus said in the New Testament as well? Didn't he say the, the, the two, what are the two most important commandments? And he commended those commandments. What did he say? Love God with everything that you are and love your neighbor as you love yourself. My brothers and sisters, that's the example. That's what preaches. Yeah, sure, programs, absolutely. We want to do this, we want to do that, we want to have this. We have that best kids program. Well, there's no one better that loves kids more than Miss Michelle. I'll tell you that right now. And when Rachel's doing it, her too. 
We've had other people in here and out of here that love those kids. And there won't be anybody better. Oh, sure, we don't have the playground and the toys and the hoops, but I'm telling you something, there will be nobody that loves your kids more than them too. Or anyone else for that matter. Is there anyone that would love your youth or is that called as, as, and has a serious heart for after youth than Tori? No. So does it matter whether we have all the slides and this and that? No. The main thing has got to be the main thing. Should we want to minister to you? Should we want to have all of these things, these programs and all of these opportunities for you? Absolutely. And we're still going to pray about them. We're still going to be motivated toward them. But my brothers and sisters, none of it means anything. None of it means anything without the main thing being the main thing, and that is our love for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So now we have Ephesus who's being commended for all of these wonderful things. And then he said, I have this against you, and you better... St-. I'm going to... Tony language. Tony language. I'm paraphrasing Rip Garrett. You look this up in the Bible. It's not going to say it this way, but this is... Tony language. Hey, you better straighten up, because I'm coming quick, and it ain't going to be pretty. Who's he saying that to? His church. He's not saying it to the lost people. He's not saying it to the sinner, to the ones that are out there. He's saying it to his church. You better straighten up because I'm going to come. My brothers and sisters, this is an awesome, awesome message for me. It's got to be all about Jesus. It's got to be Jesus and Jesus only. His love and the love I have for him, the love he has for me and the love he has for you. Amen? And so he looks at this church in Smyrna and he's commending them for their works but he doesn't say anything about that. So that proves to me that these people have not stopped making the main thing the main thing. They may be poor. They may not have all the bells and whistles. They may not have the Hillsong Choir or group or whoever the heck they are. He may not have them, but they have the touch of the Lord Jesus Christ on them. They have a ministry that God's in the middle of. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, you said amen, so I'm going to... All right. So now look what else it says here. Uh, Addie, could you put that one back up, line A? Tribulation. That's trouble. Tribulation. So look what it says in Timothy. 2 Timothy, uh, beginning in verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. When he says my gospel, he's saying according to what I preach. It's not his, it's Jesus's, of course. For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. I even get arrested. I'm preaching the gospel and I suffer by getting arrested and I'm persecuted. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Look at verse 11 with me. This is a faithful saying. For if if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure... If we endure, if we overcome, if we endure, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. You see that? So now some people say, well, see that? Even when I lose my faith, He is faithful enough He's going to carry... No, it doesn't mean that. Because why in the world would He say in the line before that, if we deny Him, He's going to deny us? No. What He's saying is, what He's promised, He's going to do. So that if you lose your faith, if you apostatize, you're not going to make it. That's what he's saying. That's not popular today. I know it's not. And I know that's not going to win me a lot of congregants. I know that. But I can't help it. I'm a last day pastor. He's coming to get us very soon. And I don't want anybody to miss him because they're hearing a false doctrine come out of this mouth. We've got to be ready. He's coming soon. 
we got to be ready. He's coming back for His church, spotless and without blemish. The only way I can achieve that is in Him. And the only way I'm in Him is if I'm walking the way He's ordered me, commanded me to walk. Amen? Amen. And I'm faithful. He's going to be faithful to everything that He does. Acts 14.22 We must through many tribulations, many tribulations, through much trouble, enter the kingdom of God. Hey, if there's anybody who's not born again yet, are you in? Does this make you want to? Yeah, I'm in, I want to be in that club. No, he's telling you. Be prepared. This is going to happen. Second uh, Timothy 3.12 Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Hey, when you look in your Bible, that's not going to be emphasized and that's not going to be emphasized. But I want you to read that. Those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus all how many? All. May? No. Will. So my brothers and sisters, Jesus is not making any, you know, uh, He's not painting any rosy pictures for us. He's not saying, oh, you're going to have your best life here. You know, grab all the gusto you can and it's all sunshine and lollipops and, you know, just throw $1,000 in the box back there and, and you're going to reap a reward. God's going to send you the check in the mail and everything's going to be great and all you got to do is blah, 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 do this, do that and the other thing and when you pray, immediately you're going to be healed and all this stuff. No, that's not what He's saying. In this world, you'll have tribulation but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. So, now let's go back to Revelation 2. <laughs> poverty. Poverty. This is, a, this is a tough one. Because in this country, we, you know, we're, we, I think, I think Garrett was it you and I? I think Garrett and I was talking about it. How good we have it. Was that you and I talking yesterday? I can't remember. How good we have it in this country versus other countries and some of the things. I don't know who has. I, sorry, I can't remember. But I was talking to somebody yesterday just about how good we have it in this country versus in other countries. Even our poorest of people are taken care of much better than those who are, are uh, in poverty in other countries. But look at, so, so you've got this to look forward to. Tribulation and poverty. I know your works, your tribulation. I know that you have troubles. And I know you're in poverty. But you're rich. Jesus. You're rich. James 2.5 Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He promised to those who love Him? Yes, I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm rich. In faith, I'm rich. See, and this is saying, God does not look at the class of people. God doesn't look at how clean you are. God doesn't look at anything like that. In fact, God chose the, the people who were just regular, everyday people. The blue-collar people. And that's who He revealed Himself to at first. But there were also those who did, who were rich, who did follow Him, wasn't there. And there, that's not to say that many people right now who are well-to-do are not born-again Christians. You can be both. It's tough, but you can be both. Tony, why, why, why would you make a statement like that? It's tough. I'm smart. No, he said it. He said that it's tough. If he said it, that's good enough for me. It's tough. Why? Because we get dependent on what we're able to achieve. We get dependent on what we're able to buy. We get dependent on what we're able to provide. Do you know, my brothers and sisters, let's talk real right now. In the church and out of the church right now, what this pandemic has shown is that whatever you have and whatever you've built for years can be gone that quick. That quick. Was anybody, anybody lose a lot of money in 08 when everything crashed? 
See, now, in and of the, I'm not saying then to you, oh, don't invest, it's bad. I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying don't be an entrepreneur, don't take risk. No, consider God first. And let God lead you, and God will lead you. God, does, God wants you to invest. God wants you to do certain things, but not all of us the same. But my brothers and sisters, the point being is when we start getting dependent on those things rather than God, when we put those things, that's idolatry, by the way. So then we start putting those things before God, that's when everything gets messed up. Come on. All right. So, so you're, 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 you're poor, you're, you're in poverty, but you're rich. The Matthew uh, 6, we're all familiar with this. Just write it down, look it up. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Man, if I'm always striving and working toward that next thing, that next promotion, that next car, that next boat, that next plane, that next house, that next, name it, whatever it is. That next kid. Oh, I want to have more kids. Do you? Well, they're, they're a reward from God. See, I've got to harken back. See, because we're doing these things. We take procreation so lightly. And we think that all of these other people who maybe are having babies out of wedlock or maybe all the... I, mean, I don't know how I got here, but let's just go. That they're, they're not God's creation when in fact they are. God knew them before they were in their mother's womb just like He knew you and me and them and us. Come on. See, come on now. Because somehow, somewhere, in our culture and in our society, we're giving ourselves just a little bit permission because of all of this division that's among us to look upon some of those and say, you know, see that? You see that? Yes, see that? It's time for the church to step up and say, I see that. I see that. See, my brothers and sisters, that's what the love of Christ is. Not to look upon and condemn. Not to look upon and say, well, it should have been this way or it should have been that way. It's to look upon and say, look, I'm in poverty, you're in poverty. Let's see what we can do together. Come on, man. Hallelujah. 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 The second part of verse 9. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Man, you look at this and say, man, did, did, did the church of Satan actually have a little church set up over there? No. No. These are people in that community who are Jews, consider themselves Jews. And many of them, just like they fought with Jesus, you could go, uh, it's John chapter 8, specifically. They fought him all the time. Then the holy people, the religious people, the Jews, who thought that, you know, they were looking for the Messiah, but it didn't look like Jesus. It wasn't supposed to be Jesus. So they were all the time challenging Jesus. And in, specifically in John chapter 8, when Jesus is talking about, he's making um, this witness when he's testifying about being the Son and, and he's doing the things that the Father, and they basically lambasted him for it. And, and he's saying, you, you won't receive my word because you're not receiving my word. You can't understand any of this, Tony language. You can't understand any of this. You won't receive my word. And the reason why you won't receive my word is because you're not of my father. You're of your father, the devil. Because he was a liar from the beginning. And so you would rather believe and teach a lie than you would to believe the truth when it's standing right in front of you. So now when he's speaking, he being Jesus to 
the church here, he's saying, listen, you're, put, you're, you're withstanding this blasphemy. These people now, these Jews, were, they were probably like the Judaizers that we read about in Galatians, but they're also, now these people are... Let, let me tell you a little bit about Smyrna. Smyrna, obviously, is a Gentile city, but the fact of the matter is, my brothers and sisters, there was Jews from the dispersion that were there, but also before Christ, Alexander the Great was there, and then, so you had the Greek influence and you had that culture and some of their beliefs in there. You also then had the Romans after the Romans there, so you have the Roman culture and their influence there. So you have this place where it's actually a pretty rich little city. Their location being close to the Aegean Sea uh, helped them as far as commerce and trade, and, and there were some things happening there. So now you have the, this, this culture and you have all of these subcultures there not unlike what we experience here, but in a much smaller scale, in a much, listen, a much tighter compartment. So now you have all of these people, and now specifically these Jews, because they're seeing these Christians as heretics, so now what they're doing is not only trying to infiltrate the church or whatever, but they're also now, they have a foothold with the government. See, the Jews there are compromising just like the Jews in, uh, in Jesus' time. See, remember, the Jews manipulated the situation to get Jesus killed. They couldn't kill him themselves, but they had him killed by Rome. And they manipulated that situation by placating to you know, their hubris. My brothers and sisters, this is the same thing. You had these Jewish people, or these Jews, who basically, the, our God is saying, are of the synagogue of Satan. These Jews that are actually trying to get the church uh, persecuted and are succeeding by placating to the Roman authority. There was much persecution going on before this letter, and there was a lot more that happened after the fact. From the from the toward the end of the first century, right up until three hundred. I mean, there was a lot of persecution, sometimes worse than others. But you know, have have any of you heard of Ignatius? Ignatius was persecuted. Or Polycarp? Anybody heard of Polycarp? Polycarp was burned at the stake there. So you have this persecution, and, and he willingly went to the stake. They gave him a choice. You renounce Christ. He said, how can I renounce Christ? The last 86, of my, 86 years of my life, I've been united with him. I'm not going to leave him now. Oh, my brothers and sisters, do you see that? And so now you have all of this persecution going on, and it's instigated by this group. Probably some others as well, who are not necessarily Jews, but Jesus is specifically pointing out these folks. And they claim to be of Abraham's seed. And, the, the, and sure, biologically speaking, you are of Abraham's seed. Yeah, you're a Jew by birth, biologically speaking. But didn't Jesus tell us in his word that the real Jews are not those who follow those customs, not those who are circumcised, but those who receive the circumcision of the heart, whose heart is now for Jesus? Those are the Jews. That's us. We've been grafted in. Why? Why? Because what the law couldn't do, Christ did for us. Amen. And so now we've been grafted in. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so now we have these, I, I just, they are the Jews, they're, they're, they say they're Jews, but they're not Jews, but they're a synagogue of Satan. So you have the enemy, these people who actually think that they're worshiping God or they're following God or actually worshiping or actually doing the work of the enemy of our soul. No good. But what does that got to do with us? Jesus told us. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. 
They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If you're not being persecuted, if there's nobody that is, you know, it, it's, you're, you're doing it wrong. You've you, you got to stop trying to fit in. You've got you to stop trying to please the people around you. That doesn't mean be a jerk. That's a theological term, again. You look it up in your strong. That doesn't mean to be a, 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 be a dumb, dummy about it. That doesn't mean to be obnoxious and rude. You should always be kind to anybody and everybody. Always be kind. Always extend Jesus, whosoever. Whosoever. I'm not going to take, you know, I'm not going to take notice of any skin color. I'm not going to take notice of any, you know, uh, socioeconomic background. I'm not going to take notice of what church affiliation. I'm not going to take, no, whosoever. So be nice. Be nice. Right? Be nice. But don't compromise. Listen, again, in those of you who are young people who are being bombarded with uh, people telling you that people like me are the most intolerant, hateful people on the planet, they're lying. They're lying. They're lying. Well, Jesus is the only way. That's pretty uh, exclusive. It is exclusive, but Jesus said this, whoever will. He doesn't exclude anyone. Whoever, come on. Whoever, come on. But see, in order for us to meld in, to not feel as frustrated or feel as much pressure, we compromise a little bit in the name of tolerance. And I've told you before, tolerance doesn't equal love. Right? Tolerance does not equal love. No way. How many of you would tolerate your children cursing at you? How many of you would tolerate your kids coming home and telling you what they're going to do? Well, if you loved your kids, right? You've got to tolerate. No, you don't. No, you don't. So, so, so look, as silly as that may sound, that's just a really honest, real ex- example. No, tolerance does not equal love. So my brothers and sisters, man, this is, this is just, this is just some, some really, really awesome stuff. So now let's continue. In Revelation 2, verse 10, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. <laughs> Think about what he's saying. You're already having trouble. You're already in poverty. Right? But something else is coming. And he's saying, don't be afraid of this. So whatever it is, it's going to be scary. Are you with me? Did I lose you? Hang on. Whatever it is, it's going to be scary. So they're already in trouble. They're already, you know, they're not living on the, you know, high on the hog, for lack of a better term. And he's saying, do not fear those things which you're about to, you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. Why? That you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. Before, uh, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. My brothers and sisters, look, look, think. Jesus is saying, don't, don't be fearful of that, what's, what's about to happen. Here's part of what's going to happen. Some of you are going to be thrown into prison. Now, some people, you're, depending on who you read and what you read, well, that 10 days, it was going to be specific 10 days that it was going to get really, really bad. Some people say, you know, that means 10 years that it was going to be really, really bad. Some people think other things. It doesn't matter. To me, I think because this letter is very specific, to that location, when he says 10 days, there's something specific about 10 days, not a thousand years under the Lord, a day, and, you, know, you know what I'm saying. So look, so I think it's, it definitely is 10 days. The only thing that I have not settled in on yet, whether he means 
after 10 days, this is going to happen, or during the 10 days, this is going to happen. Because of the, the Greek language, I'm not 100% sure. My, my leaning is that he's saying, in 10 days, this is going to happen. Not that it would last for 10 days, but that in 10 days, this is going to happen. So he's preparing them. He's warning them. My brothers and sisters, that's my job now. That's my job. That's your job. Jesus is coming soon. He's going to split the sky. He's going to call us home. His church is going home. It's going to happen. So we need to be ready. But look at the way Jesus warned them and He's telling them. He's commending them for their work. He's commending them because, you know what? You're you're suffering this tribulation. You're living in poverty. You have these people who are out to get you. They're getting the Roman government against you. They're getting... All the cars are stacked against you. Already they started feeding them to lions and gladiators and all this other stuff. It's already happening. But it happened a hundredfold after this. But He's warned them. This is going to happen. But why, Jesus, if you know it's going to happen, why? Why, were you, why are you letting it happen? Why? Well, he said that you may be tested. They have to be tested. Why would they have to be tested? You're commending them. You know what's in their heart already. Yeah, but they need to know. And they need to be a testimony to you, to you, to me, to me. Why to me? Because remember what I just testified to you earlier. The Lord clearly nudged me this morning, clearly, that I'm guilty. I'm guilty because I'm looking at the church of Ephesus and I'm seeing all of the works and all of the things and everything. And I'm saying, why not us, Lord? Have I, lost, have I left my first... See what I'm saying? So this, this is a testimony to me. This is speaking to me. Am I just religious? Am I just playing church? Am I just looking to get the next level at, in this particular congregation so that we could feel like we're going somewhere? Or isn't it more important that you're growing in faith and in love? Isn't it more important right now that we don't blow it, that we don't, you know, the same thing that used to cause us to blow up doesn't cause us to blow up anymore. I could stomp on Mark's toe and man, he could get up and fight. But now I stomp on Mark's toe. I forgive you. As silly as that sounds, my brothers and sisters, that's us. What buttons does the enemy of your soul know how to push? And so now watch. You have to be tested. So the button needs to be pushed so I know in that area I'm still weak. Are you with me? Okay, so why suffering, Tony? Why? Because That's why. The Lord is still my dad. He's still my father. He's still perfecting me. How many, how many of us would say, well, my kid made it to the sixth grade. He don't have to go. He's finished. <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, Tony, that's so silly. We all know that he has at least finished two years in high school. What? How many of us would treat our children that way? How many of us would say, it's okay just to go this far and then you're good? We'll, we'll say, No. We want that, man, we're, we're backing them up. Did you do your homework? Come on, let's go, let's go. Why? Because we love them. We want them to be the best that they can be. Come on, somebody, help me preach. So, should we expect something different from our Heavenly Father? No. Is God going, listen, I don't know about you, but I'm a hard-headed Italian, so sometimes I only learn the hard way. Sometimes I got to get kicked around a little bit. Sometimes I got to go, hard knocks and bumps, that's not such a bad school either, you know. Am I the only one that went to that school? I graduated that one with honors. I'm just telling you. 
got the scars to show it. Come on, so, so you know what I'm saying. Some of you who are laughing and some of you are nodding, you know exactly what I'm saying. Sometimes I need to go through this fire so that I really know what is inside of me. What is inside of me? What is in your heart? Are you an Ephesus church? Are you just willing to go ahead and do the works? Are you a Smyrna church? Are you the church of Smyrna? Are you the one that's willing to go ahead? God, if I have to sell it all, God, if I have to give it all up, I'm following you. God, it doesn't matter how bad the work is, doesn't matter how stinky it is, doesn't matter where I have to go to do it, I'm going to do the work. God, it doesn't matter that this one hates me, that that one doesn't like me, my own friends are giving up on me, I have family members don't want to be around me. It doesn't matter. That's trouble. Yes, it is, Lord. However, I'm going to follow you. Got to be tested. It's disciplinary. Sometimes it's just a discipline to bring us back in line. It's not the. It's just listen. Hebrews twelve three six. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Jesus. This is speaking specifically about him going to the cross, him suffering the shame and everything that he suffered, and then going to the cross. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And you have, and have you forgotten? Uh, this, the exhortation which speaks to you as sons and daughters. My children, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every child that He receives. My brothers and sisters, sometimes my dad needs to allow me to suffer a hard knock or a bump because I am going the wrong way. Straighten up! And sometimes... Hearing the Word or reading the Word doesn't do it. He needs to drive me to my knees just a little bit longer because I got a little, oh, I'm preaching to somebody now. I got a little lackadaisical in my prayer closet. I'm not praying like I did. And even when I do, it's okay. It's that same recited thing. Then I get up on out of there and I did my duty. I talked to God. But I didn't wait on Him when I was in there. But I didn't wait to hear what He was going to say to me. I didn't wait. I just prayed the same old, my brothers and sisters, I want to, we need to get in that closet if you're not seeing what's going on you, around you right now, and, it, and those of us who have children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, whatever, if you're not in that prayer closet crying out to God for somebody, you are not born again. Oh. That's truth. So sometimes I've got to have that so it drives me to my knees. I've got to get that into that place where the Lord is making me go. Into. Sometimes it's just to prevent something. Remember in Corinthians, Paul he prayed for the Lord to remove that thorn in his flesh. Whatever that thorn was. I know what it is. Whatever that thing was, he prayed three times and the Lord said, Ah, my grace is sufficient for you. And then Paul, the Holy Spirit ministered to Paul. Uh, you know, and that was also put there so that I'm relying upon him. I'm not getting so haughty in my own mind that I'm doing all this and I'm so powerful and I'm so mighty that I still depend on him. Right? Okay, so sometimes it's just to prevent us but most of it, my brothers and sisters, is to just grow our faith. Grow our faith. Romans 5. Tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. I'm going from glory to glory, and, and these things, these fruits are produced as a result of me being pressed. And then at the end of these fruits, oh, see here, when it says, it, it, and this produces hope, you know what? Every time that I've been pressed in my life and I went to God, it might have been the next day. It might not have been the next year. But I always come to that place after I've had a difficult period or a season in my life and I can look back I say, oh, now I know what you were teaching me, God. Now I know what you were teaching me. Is, can anybody else testify? 
So now here's what happens. The next time I'm in the middle of a situation, I have hope. Why? Because the last time he carried me through. So now I have a little bit more unction to persevere. I have a little bit more unction to trust in him. I have a little bit... Come on now. See, but listen... If I get lackadaisical, if I get lazy about it, if my heart really isn't in it, I'm just doing the, you know, just the, the, just the platitude kind of thing. And I'm just, you know, playing the church thing. And I'm just, you know, loving in, in front of your face, but not really loving you with my heart. That's, that's not going to work. No, it's got to be the real deal. First Peter 1. The genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. My faith, my perseverance, my faith that's growing and is becoming more pure, it's a testimony to Him. Why? Because it's in Him, of Him. I'm His kid. Sometimes you and me, we're the only Jesus that someone's going to see. So how are we looking? How are we looking? Man, am I... I, I, I told you guys that I, I was very transparent with you. And for the visitors, I appreciate you visiting with us and visiting with us. Maybe this is, maybe I'm too transparent. Maybe I need to hide some of this stuff, but I, I'm not going to. I just got to do it. I mean, I've been struggling for, for a few months now with, with being frustrated and angry because I see where the, what's, what's going on. And, I, and I, our young people are being lied to and deceived and. And, and it's just so frustrating and we're praying all the time and, we're, and I've got grandkids living in this age and I've got, you know, and you've got grandkids and we've got all of these young people, you have children. Man, some, who's going to be the one that stands up and says, no, this is the way it is. This is the way it is. This is the truth. Who's going to be the one? And I don't see it and I see churches still... Like Ephesus. Oh, we're going to have this, we're going to do that. But what about holiness? What about the fear of God? What about reverence? Come on. This is the driving force. Should be. And, and so for me, my brothers and sisters, when I, I'm telling you this scripture is ministering to me. I hope it's ministering to you. But man, what am I... So now I, I look at this. So Tony, you know... You've, you've been transparent. You talked about your anger. You're frustrating. And, and now you see the Ephesus thing and as it relates to ministry. So what are you going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? If I could fix it, I would fix it. If I could fix it, he wouldn't have had to die on the cross for me. The fact is, I can't fix it. So the only thing that I can do is throw myself at his feet. Go back to him. And see, here's the problem that we have, especially those of us who feel like, hey, everything's pretty good right now. I'm pretty good. Everything's good. We don't go and we have to go and we have to admit, I made this mistake. We have to go back to him and admit it. He already knows. But that's part of our growing. That's part of our growing our faith. Amen? We go to him and we say, I'm acknowledging this and I need your help here, right here. That's why suffering that's why I need your help here. Amen? Amen. So look, some of you are still, ha- you're still fighting addictions. Yeah? I know that. Some of you are still fighting addictions. You know what? Draw the line. This is it. Jesus died on a cross. 
He paid the price. You can be delivered instantaneously or you can be delivered slowly. It's up to him. That's between you and him. But my point is, give it to him and stop taking it back. Those of you who have never been born again yet because, well, I did some of that stuff, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's beneath me. I'm too smart, blah, blah, blah. Okay, listen. Just go and search whatever worldview, whatever opinion you think is the best and then answer this for me. Why after all of these years, all of these years, there's still one person that died, rose from the grave, has affected the globe, they cannot find his bones anywhere. All they had to do was produce his grave. All they had to do was produce, and it would have been all put to rest. Can't be. Why? Those bones came out of that tomb alive. And they're up there right now. In Hallelujah. So look, don't talk to me about any of this, any of that, any other thing. Jesus. Him crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. Jesus. Hallelujah. What are we going to do? I'm going to leave it all at his feet. Depression? Leave it at I'm lonely. You don't know what it's like to be lonely, Tony. No, fortunately, praise God, I don't. But that doesn't mean that I don't feel sympathy or compassion for you. So now, in a moment, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And when we stand, I'm serious now, Jesus is here. Where two or more gather in my name, there I am in the midst. And He's willing. Call on His name for whatever your situation is. If you want to come up front and pray, great. I'd love to... Bind my faith with yours, touch and agree, according to Scripture, love to. But if you don't, that's fine. Where you are, and even if you can't stand, raise your hand. If you can't stand up, raise your hand. But whatever it is, if God is speaking to you, young people, you may, none of this stuff makes as much sense to you because you haven't lived as long as old Pastor Tony, who's 50-something years old right now. It's you haven't lived that long. So you haven't had some of these experiences. But I don't want to insult you my granddaughters who are still in this room and any young people who are listening and then my young friend back here and of course, no, right here. I don't want to insult you and say that you know, because you haven't had the life experiences that we have, you don't know. I know that you know heartache and heartbreak in your way and in your world. And I know it's important to you to be accepted by your peers. And I know it's the enemy of your soul is trying to get you to compromise and not believe what Pop-Up or Pastor Tony says. And you know, well, maybe you know him. But my, brothers, my young brothers and my young sisters, no, this is for you just as much as it is for us. When he splits the sky, it's not going to be by age group. Oh. 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 So even in the middle of your testing, and trying in the middle of your tribulation at school or even at home trying to do it online, whatever it is that you're doing. Even even those people that you know that if you bring up Christ or if you live godly, they're going to make fun of you. They're going to criticize you. You're not alone. You're not alone. Just remember this. They criticized your Savior. They lambasted Him. They hated Him. And they made it known. And even the ones who said that they loved him turned against him. You're not alone. And you have many, many people in this room 
and people all over the globe who are your brothers and sisters who love you even though they don't know you, but we're united in Christ. But those of us who know you, we love you more. Amen? So stand with me, please. Those of you who can. Those of you, don't be bound to it, Catherine, if you need to raise your hand. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray, but I want to, I again, those of you in the room, those of you listen on the internet, please let God minister. This is, yeah, we're, we're praying as a group, and I'm going to be praying out loud, but call on God. Cry out to God in the name of Jesus, and He'll hear you. And you know what? Let me just add this before we go into prayer. You may be on the mountaintop right now. You may be in a season in your life right now where nothing could be better. Thank Him. Praise Him. And ask Him, listen, to reveal the next step to you so that you don't misstep. Amen? Amen. So great God, our Father in Heaven, we come before You right now in the name of Jesus, giving You thanks and praise first for Your Word, which is eternal, which is true, and we believe it. So Lord, according to Your Word, now we come and make our our our. our all of our needs, our wants, but more importantly, Lord, we want to give you thanks. Thank you that we do have this opportunity to come to you. Thank you, Lord, that we can just be in this position where we have the Almighty, the one who created everything, who is the author of everything, who will listen to us, who will give ear to us. Father, I pray that what we pray right now, each of us as individuals, and we make our supplications known unto you. Lord, that we would be praying according to your will. Lord, search our hearts. Lord, search our hearts right now. Father, there are many under the sound of my voice who have never made you the Lord and Savior of their life. Some may have made a a prayer when they were babies, when they were young, or maybe... Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would minister to them by your Holy Spirit. Father, let your will be done in all of our lives. Father, for those of us who are battling sickness, health issues, Father, we throw ourselves at your feet. You are our Jehovah Rapha. You are our God who heals. Lord, we pray that we would prosper financially. But Lord, only as our soul prospers. Father, we're seeking your kingdom first. So the bodily things that we need, Father, the the healing that we need, the finances or the material things that we need, Father, let it all be done according to your will, your way. So, Father, if our hearts are deceiving us, if our hearts are leading us into another direction, Father, steer us, guide us, lead us. Convict our hearts, Lord. Convict our hearts. Father, allow us to know what your will is for us individually that we may go in that direction. Father, for our young people right now who may even at this point find this a little bit boring and long, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, that you would grab hold of their hearts right now. Lord Jesus, make yourself real to them. Lord, give them a desire to follow after you. Let them know that these are not just words of a simple man, but these are your words. 
Lord, that you are coming back for your church. Lord, that you're coming back to receive your your bride without spot, without blemish. Father, you're coming back for your church, which they are a part of. Father, we thank you that it's not your will that any should perish. So, Lord, please, please, send your ministering spirits. Father, angels around our young people. Every home that's represented in this room right now, Father, bless it. Bless it. Let your peace be upon all of the families that are represented in this room. Father, let us feel your anointing heavier than we've ever felt it before. Father, not because we want to walk by feelings, but Father, we want to be so close to you. So give us an unction to be in your word. Father, help us to pray like we should. And I, Father, we want to give you all the glory. All the glory. I pray for many testimonies coming out of this service. In Jesus' name. Amen.